What are you wearing today, Ted? Hey, Rockers. Welcome back to Extra Credit, the Rock You podcast. I'm your co-host, Seth Hinckley, sitting here with the John Foreman to my Chad Butler, the Dean of Rock You, Mr. <laughs> Matt Black. Hello, Seth. How you doing far away in Houston in there? I'm good, man. Like a, How's Paris? It's, it's How's pretty good. How's the future? How's the future? <laughs> yeah. Dude, you're seven hours ahead of me. Tell me how I my know. day's going to go. You're like in a little glowing box. How is miniaturization <laughs> treating you there? <laughs> uh, I'm feeling kind of small, but outside of that, everything's okay. Seth and I are, are, are coping. <laughs> slowly with this modern age we're not cut out for this stuff <laughs> <laughs> it's better when we're in the same room it is but, you know i'll yeah. take this we'll take, i'll this take better this than nothing, right yeah, yeah so, exactly yeah seth I, I just i hope you're recovered from my uh completely incomprehensible dave grohl trip i went on last time i just that's I because fell into you the, love dave grohl i fell into the grohl i couldn't get myself <laughs> out and i woke up three hours later and i still had notes i hadn't <laughs> talked about yet <laughs> Good luck editing that one. If you're going to pick a guy to do that with, Dave Grohl's probably the guy. Yeah, sure. So why not? I, I, I think I can forgive you for that. All right. That's good. Well, what are you wearing today? Because I can only see like the, the tip top of the thing on your shirt. Well, here, I'll get up a little higher. I think I might have worn this one there before. Oh, yeah. It? That's uh, my Wet Leg Tour t-shirt. Saw Wet Leg last year. Do you want to know the real reason I'm wearing the shirt? Or do you want to know the reason that I'll make up for the purposes of the podcast? Both. The real reason is I was wearing it and I didn't have time to change. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I don't have any really good t-shirts for today, but I actually, I can find a couple of ways to relate wet leg to what we're talking about today, so I'll hold that thought for now. What are you wearing, Seth? I'm wearing my Switchfoot t-shirt that you've seen before. I think I've worn it before on the You show. have. Music with a message, I believe it was. It was. Yeah. That's right. I've looked and looked for my Mute Math t-shirt that I thought was in storage, and Uh-oh. it's just... Casualty of the move, maybe. Yeah, so hope not. I had to go back to uh, had to go back to the Switchfoot shirt. But But you're also uh, one of only seven people who owns a Mute Math T-shirt, so I think that's probably valuable if you can find it. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I'm so sad. I mean, oh, I know. So what are we doing today? Oh, man. We are talking about artists that we like that either never went big time or haven't gone big time yet that should have, in our opinion. Gotcha. As we always do, we got to talk about criteria because there are bands that made it, I guess, to the big time that I think should have been bigger. Mm -hmm. And there are bands that, unless you're in a localized area, you wouldn't have heard of. Right that should have made it bigger. And then there's bands like the Judys that never made it out of Houston that I think should have made it bigger. (laughs) And they're probably on my honorable mentions list, but I tried to keep it as the bands that were smaller that not everybody had heard of. But I had to put a couple of bands in that made it fairly big, but didn't make it as big as I think that they should have. Fair enough. I got some criteria. Yeah. Yeah. Criteria King Uh, is back after after my whiff last week. So... (laughs) So I started with... You're the, back to normal. I'm back to normal, back to yeah. Normal. So I started with kind of the premise that the bands I'm going to talk about are bands that I often am surprised people haven't heard of, especially knowing what other bands they like. And right. with one exception, they're bands that no Rock U band has ever covered. And we've covered more than a thousand songs, if you count the adults. So they've never made it wow. into a Rock U playlist, except for one, which has a reason. It's easy to be snobby about this stuff. It's easy to say, oh, you haven't heard of such and such, be a hipster about things. It's not like that. You know, there's so much music out there. Not, no one can have heard of everything. But these are bands I'm consistent, yeah, yeah. consistently surprised 
haven't penetrated somehow. I tried to put some numbers to that. First of all, I excluded anything that I would consider an up-and-coming band. They're just showing up on the scene. Okay. So, for example, right. Wet Leg, which only has one album out, but they're already huge in the public sphere. People are talking about them all the time, even though they, I think they only have like right. 14, 15 songs published. And they're amazing. But a year ago, maybe no one would have heard of them. Now everyone's heard of them because they did a tour opening for Harry Styles and whatever. So nothing that was up and coming. You know, if you haven't heard of something that you're going to hear about next year, I didn't count that. Uh, so okay. I was looking for something, artists that had at least 10 years of major label output. Okay. Anyone whose first album appeared after 2013, I didn't count. They haven't had time to, to really say they didn't make it. Right. And under 10 million monthly Spotify listens. To give you some context, The Strokes, which is kind of like a band that's right on that edge. If you're a rock fan, yeah. you probably heard of The Strokes. If you're not, you probably haven't. You know, the average person, if you say, hey, you like The Strokes? They're like, um, I'm not really sure. But a lot of rock you band members have heard of The Strokes because they're into music. The Strokes has about 12 right. million monthly listeners. So that was a good benchmark to me. I also excluded One Hit Wonders. That doesn't count. Regional projects, original bands like like you mentioned, like Manic Street Preachers is a band that not many people in the U.S. have heard of, if any, but they're huge in the yep. U.K. A lot of bands are huge in Australia, but haven't made it outside of that. Also, yep. bands that have a cult following. So like Wilco is a band that a lot of people have heard of, but not many people have listened to, but you know, get in the way of a Wilco fan and you're going to get trampled by Wilco love. <laughs> Velvet Underground's an, you yeah. know, an older example. People who are into Velvet Underground are really into them, but a lot of people don't really know their stuff yeah. outside of Walk on the Wild Side. So The National's another one, Fish is another one. So I was going for bands that just really haven't broken through but they've been around a okay. while and they should have broken through so five artists there cool. we go. plus our honorable mentions of course so I can't remember who yeah, went exactly. first I can never remember who went first what do you want to do I went first last time to okay. give you the last word so why don't you go first this time I'm going to start with oh the, wait oh over, over under, under. Uh, zero. I mean, I'll, I'll take the over. I'll take the under on point five. I might take the over on point five <laughs> just from one of the things you just said. Okay. So I think I'm going to take the over. I'm curious to know what over. that means. All right. All well, right. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So my first band is a band that I love. Their music really connects with me. It's got a. It's got a great vibe to it. And again and again, I'm like, I'll, I'll meet people and I'll say, Oh, you like so and so? This band I'm about to tell you the name of, and they'll say, No, I never heard of them. I had one kid, one kid, a fifth grader who knew him and really liked him because his parents did. And I was like blown away when that happened. Wow. And the band yeah. is Silver Sun Pickups. You ever heard of Silver Sun Pickups? I've heard the name. I, did, I don't think I could pick one of their songs Great band. Of the radio. Uh, one of the things I like about Silver Sun Pickups is they've actually played at La Boule Noire where we do our indoor concerts throughout the year, which is cool Sweet. to know that we're on the same stage. That same floorboards they walked. They are, I wrote down where they were from, but it looks like, it looks like I didn't write them down. I'm not really sure, but they've been around since 2000 and they have 1.2 million Spotify streams, which is not a whole lot. Uh, monthly, excuse yeah. me, monthly Spotify streams. That's not a whole lot when U2's got 50 million, something like that so that's a lot less yeah. <laughs> their first album was released in 2006 and I think their first two albums Carnivus and Swoon are the best albums and I think Seth we're each choosing a song right to represent our bands today so let's do that one or two yeah just, all right, well, okay. I'm just, I just did one let's give a listen to uh, Little Lover So Polite from the Carnivus album
One of the really cool things about Silver Sun pickups that I like is, you know, you just heard the track. The lead singer is actually a guy. I didn't realize that until I looked up a picture of them and I was like, oh, that's a man singing. I thought that was a, a, a female voice. Their harmonic sensibility I find very sophisticated. Okay. They remind me of a lot of what I like about 80s music, but they sound, they have a little bit more of a 90s texture and a 21st century sensibility. They're a little bit genre defying. I just like them a lot. Silver Sun pickups at my number five spot. What's your number five? My number five is something that you brought up mm-hmm. uh, in, in your intro was a band that was huge in Australia mm-hmm. and didn't make it as big here as I think that they should have. My number five band is Midnight Oil. Yeah, it's a good... Yeah, They are just an amazing band. On the strength of their album Diesel and Dust alone, they should have been bigger. I think eight out of the ten songs on that album could have and probably should have been on the radio, not just Beds Are Burning and The mm-hmm. Dead Heart. And maybe it's because of the political tone of their lyrics with regard to the Aboriginal people of Australia... Or maybe it's due to some of the odd instrumentation. I mean, like we did on our Weird Instruments episode, these are the guys that used a bull roarer to start the beat on one of their songs. But for whatever reason, they didn't make it big in the US or Europe as much as I think they probably should have. Even on their next album, they had two songs that were just as strong that should have been big hits, Blue Sky Mine and King of the Mountain. And both of these songs really aren't that well known. And that's really, it's a shame. Some folks might say that the Oils, as their Aussie fans call them, (laughs) are huge in their home country of Australia, like we said. I'm just shocked that they didn't get out of there. Founder of Spin Magazine, Bob Guccione Jr. said, if these guys were from New Jersey, they'd be bigger than you too. (laughs) Billy Corrigan said they were one of the greatest live bands that he's ever seen. And Midnight Oil songs have been covered by performers like Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder as a solo artist. U2, Patti Smith, The Killers, Imagine Dragons, Silverchair, which I have a friend who would say Silverchair ought to be number one on my list, but they're not. Tom Morello as The Night Watchman, Billy Bragg, and Anti-Flag have all covered their stuff. And if those guys like Midnight Oil so much that they are willing to cover their songs... I think they're criminally underrated. So that's my number five, Midnight Oil. All right. Good one. Yeah. I, d- I definitely call them a one-hit wonder in a U.S. context, but yeah, if they're, they're, they're much bigger in Australia. I'm aware of that. Their albums hit number one in Australia repeatedly. Right. And right. they had multiple songs that did that. They've gotten multiple awards in Australia, just not anywhere else. Mm. So Didn't you mention that the, was it the lead singer ran for the equivalent of Congress in Australia, or he actually is... In Congress? He was. He He ran and won and was there for a number of years and retired from that and went back into music. So ready for number four? What's your number four? Okay. My number my number four, another artist I love, which is self-evident. A guy named Dylan LeBlanc. You ever heard of him? Nope. I did not think so. He has only 210,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. He's been around since 2010, has four studio albums out. I love them all. It's pretty country flavored, but you know, we'll call it okay. rock for, for this, for the purposes. He's only 33. He's been around for 13 years and he's collaborated with, listen to this, Emmy Lou Harris, Lucinda Williams, The Civil Wars, George Ezra, Calexico, Bruce Springsteen, First Aid Kit, The Drive-By Truckers, and Alabama Shakes. Someone who's collaborated with all those artists and who is that good should be better known than he is. I have yet to meet anyone who's ever heard of him. All I know yeah. is his songs speak to me. They're, they're beautifully, he's got a beautiful voice, but it's really his song 
songwriting style. He's, he's got great lyrics, pretty wistful, melancholy stuff a lot of the time, but very soulful. I'll use as my, uh, my song the title track from his album, Cautionary Tale, which is obviously called cautionary tale. When I read that he was only 33, I'm like, man, this guy's got a lot of maturity. If he wrote this song, I think when he was in his early 20s, really beautiful, deep stuff. He's got the whole package. And for some reason, it's sitting in a drawer. No one's ever heard of him. Dylan LeBlanc, my wow. number four. I'm going to have to listen to these guys. You definitely will. Yeah. Who's your number four? My number four is a band that I've talked about on this show before. From New Orleans, Louisiana, their Cowboy Mouth. Oh, uh, great choice. I can't believe I didn't think of it. Um, <laughs> you, and I, you and I are both huge Cowboy Mouth fans. Yeah. I actually, one of my fraternity brothers actually met his wife at a Cowboy Mouth show. <laughs> That's their story of getting together, and it's it's awesome. That's funny. I talked about Fred LeBlanc being the guy that I chose as the best singing drummer on a right. previous one-minute matchup. Now, these guys have had a bunch of lineup changes over the years. I mean, the bass player has been a revolving door, it seems. But the early 1990s lineup should have been picked up by a major label and had more publicity than they ever got. Their records and songs are really good. Songs like Love of My Life, Easy, Why You Want to Do Me, So Sad About Me, and then their magnum opus, Jenny Says, which was on their first record. Great stuff, And, yeah. and live is just... You've said that, too. It's amazing. Love to see him live. It's amazing. Their live shows are the stuff of legend. I've read online that some people have described them as a religious experience. <laughs> but the best thing I've ever read was probably in 92 or 93 in the Austin paper, a review of one of their shows. I think it was at the Continental Club on South Congress in Austin. They said, on a bad night, they'll blow the roof off the dump. But on a good night, they just might save your soul. <laughs> so I've seen these guys multiple times times in just small venues and they really do blow the roof off the dump. One of my favorite concert memories of all time is at the end of the show Fred comes out from behind the kit and Paul Sanchez the guitar player would slide in to his seat to keep playing the beat on the drums during Jenny Says. Mm-hmm. We were at the now defunct Satellite Lounge tier for the Satellite Lounge uh, here in Houston and he hopped up on the second bar that was in kind of the middle of the room and he grabbed one of these hanging lights and shone it in my face as he's singing the the chorus and he saw me singing with him so he jammed the mic in my mouth and, <laughs> and just like yeah and he's, there's, he's screaming the lyrics along with me oh man that was amazing and when they do the switch out the drummer, you know, when Fred gets out and Paul Sanchez would get in, they literally did not miss a beat. Yeah. They must have had to practice that for hours and hours and hours. Just an amazing band that record A&R guys just didn't pick them up. So that's my number four, Cowboy Mouth. I love Cowboy Mouth. Yeah, I do too. What's your number three? Well, my number three is the least not well-known. No, let me try that again. My number three is probably the best known of my five. It's Nothing But Thieves. Or least not well-known. I understand what you're saying. (laughs) Nothing But Thieves from Essex in the UK. They have 5.7 million monthly listeners on Spotify. They've been around since 2012. They got four studio albums as well. 
Nothing But Thieves <laughs> is a great band. I've seen them live twice. No, I've only seen them live once. All right, edit that out. I've seen them live. They're fantastic live. They're fantastic on uh, recordings, and they're very innovative. They're all, always on. They're always popping up on YouTube with interesting covers and totally changing the style of things like that. The vocalist has an amazing range. He can sing really high. And of the five bands I chose today, five artists I chose today, this is the only one that's ever been covered by a Rock U band because I did have a band of teenagers that was really... One guy was really into nothing but thieves, so they did a bunch. They, I think they did three of their songs over the years. Oh wow! They got some critical acclaim when they first came out uh, with their album "Broken Machine." I'm not sure if that was their first album or their second, but it was their first one that kind of made some noise. But they yeah. haven't caught on. And again, people who like bands like Nothing But Thieves haven't heard of them, or they've heard of them, but they're not really sure if they've heard. Of, you know what they are. You know, there's a lot of bands out yeah. there like Highly Suspect and Royal Blood and Muse that that have a very similar style, and yet. You know, those bands, well, Highly Suspect kind of disappeared, but the others have a really big following and have had a lot of commercial success. Nothing But Thieves stays under the radar after 11 years on the scene. I'm not really sure why. They're great. Uh, I'll choose as my song to represent them. I'll choose Particles off the album Broken Machine. And the reason I'm choosing it is because Sedatophobia did such an amazing cover of it, I want to say back in 2017 or 2018 at Flow. Maybe I'll put a link to the YouTube uh, video of their performance in the show notes. So Nothing But Thieves is my number three three what's your number three so my number three is my shirt it's ah, switch foot there you go these guys were on my positive artist top five and as i said that their lyrics are are uplifting and i think their music is just as effective and maybe even more so they first got signed to an indie label called rethink records that's re colon think which was then bought by Sparrow Records, a, a Christian label, and that resulted in the band being pigeonholed as a Christian act. And like we've talked about before on this podcast, that's kind of the death knell because there are a lot of Christian artists that don't play good music, and at least in my opinion. But John Foreman, who's the, the band's lead singer, says, we're Christian by faith, not by genre. We've always been very open and honest about where the songs are coming from. But for us, these songs are for everyone. Calling us Christian rock tends to be a box that closes some people out and excludes them. And that's not what we're trying to do. Music has always opened my mind, and that's what we want. They finally got signed to Columbia Records and were able to somewhat shake that Christian rock label. But they never were as big as I think that they should have been. My favorite albums of theirs are The Beautiful Letdown, Nothing Is Sound, Hello Hurricane, Vice Versus, and Where the Light Shines Through. And their songs range from ballads to real rockers. Their live shows are worth more than the price of admission. The last time I was able to see them, I think, was 2012. They were opening for the Goo Goo Dolls, and about a third of the crowd that was at the... There's a large venue up north of Houston in the Woodlands called the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion, and literally about a third of the crowd left after the Switchfoot show and didn't stick around for Goo Goo Dolls. If I'm going to pick a song, it's probably going to be Hello Hurricane or If the House Burns Down Tonight, another great song that they have. That's my number three, Switchfoot. I really think that they should have been doing big nationwide headlining tours and have somebody else open for them instead of the other way around. Well, so that's my number three, Switchfoot. Well, we've got a Switchfoot poster up in Rock U in the lesson room. 
And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I hung up the poster, but I never, I had no idea who they were. <laughs> Someone gave it to me in a pile of rock posters. And I'm like, yeah, this looks good. I'll stick it up. So, but you've mentioned them before. Yeah. You need to listen to these guys. I think I'll play I did, them. For, I did a little. Know. Yeah. Yeah. When the last episode, okay. the last time you mentioned them. Yeah. All right. Ready for my number two? Yeah. Okay. My number two is PJ Harvey. You know who PJ Harvey? Yeah, I know who P.J. Yeah. Harvey is. I was going to yeah. say, another one of those, that I think a lot of people know the name, but haven't really listened to her. She's been around yeah. since 91. She's got 11 studio albums. She only has 1.4 million monthly Spotify listeners, which, again, that's a lot, but it's not... That's it's not, really... That's surprising. That it's only that money? Yeah. yeah. I know I know a lot of people that like P.J. Harvey, and maybe they're part of that 1.4 million, yeah. but well, man, I, I, th- I would have thought it'd been more. It's possible that one of the reasons why she hasn't had better commercial success is that she reinvents herself all the time. She defies genres. She's always doing different things. She's always coming up with different textures and different you know, lyrical emphases. And she's really interesting that way, which is cool. And not surprisingly, she's not just a musician. She's also a poet, a painter, a sculptor, and a designer. And not in the sense that she became yeah. a musician and cashed in on her fame to do those things. She's a published poet. She's had one-woman shows of her art. She's, she's really good. Her style's hard to describe, partially because it changes so much. But the first person I think of when I think of PJ Harvey is Patty Smith and she specifically has said she hates yeah. she hates that comparison and I get why she hates it but again <laughs> it's because Patty Smith is so yeah, so multi-talented and so interested in so many art forms and PJ Harvey has that same vibe and also a little bit of the same aesthetic sense but musically I'd say she's a cross between and a cross between is not really fair because she's her own sound but she reminds yeah, me she's of she's pretty unique yeah she reminds me of at the same time somehow Chrissy Hind, Fiona Apple and Bjork and those <laughs> they don't sound a whole lot alike but try to imagine the three of them in, in one person and you maybe get PJ Harvey. I love PJ Harvey. I think she yeah. should be bigger and I hope she will be. She's already been around. Like I said, she's been doing this 30 years. The track I'll borrow for my uh, example is This Is Love, which is just a grinding rock track. It's awesome. From her 2000 album, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea, which is my favorite PJ Harvey album. That's all I got to say about that, as Forrest Gump would say. PJ Harvey in my number two spot. Who's yours? All right, my number two is a band that you guys have heard me talk about before <laughs> that I just think it was criminally underrated after they made a huge splash in the late 80s. Living Color, hmm. their brand of rock and roll is so unique. The mix of jazz fusion, hip hop, the sampling that they do, and the hard rock that they play results in just some phenomenal music. And they do amazing covers of artists from all the way from Jimi Hendrix to the Talking Heads. They're critically acclaimed. They were nominated for four Grammys in the late 80s, early 90s, and they won two of those. But they were never the headliners that they should have been. The strength of the tracks on their albums, Vivid, Time's Up, and Stain, and then their live EP, Biscuits, which is amazing. I I just think they're criminally underrated. When your guitarist plays jazz and heavy metal and then mixes the two, your drummer has graduated with honors from the Berklee College of Music. Your singer can really wail, and then the bassist that they've had two of can not only hang, but can shine in that group. I think that was just a recipe for success. But I think the problem was, in that time, may have been too Afrocentric for the record companies in the late 80s, early 90s. 90s. right? Late 80s, 90s? Well, is that uh, the era? Yeah. yeah. It took the intervention of Mick Jagger, of all people, <laughs> to get these guys a record deal with wow. Epic Records. 
In 2018, Vernon Reed, their lead singer, said, we had to get the cosign from a person who literally embodied what rock and roll is. <laughs> the fact that he had to come see us and dig us for us to get at the back of the line is crazy. Hmm. And he's 100% right. And for whatever reason, and I'm sure it probably had to do a little bit with the, the issues with the record companies, sadly, they ended up disbanding in January of 1995 after failing to settle on common musical goals during their fourth studio album sessions. I would like to think that they would have reached the level of rock and roll royalty in the collective consciousness had they stayed together. But the good news is they reformed in the early 2000s. They've recorded three more albums, I think, since then. And they're currently on tour celebrating the, I think it's the 30th anniversary of their third album, Stain. If you can pull them up on YouTube, some of their shows are on YouTube. They're still ridiculously good 35 plus years later. That's my number two is Living Color. All right. It's good. You ready for my number one? Yeah, man. What's top of your list? I think you're gonna lose who, the. Who, uh, you're gonna lose the over under. I'm, I'm probably sh- gonna lo- <laughs> probably gonna lose the over under. But who's yeah. the number one band that I've never heard of that you love? Well, you've heard of these guys because I've mentioned them many times on this podcast. I don't think I've ever mentioned the other four that I use today, but I have mentioned the band right. Warpaint repeatedly. And Warpaint okay, yeah. is one of my favorite bands. Absolutely, it's a an all female group from California, except the drummer is Australian. They've been around since 2004. They have four studio albums, one of which is an EP actually, but three LPs and an EP. Pretty evenly spaced between 2004 and now. And they only have 546,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Just, again, not very much. Their first EP might have been their best it's called exquisite corpse and it's an ep but i think it's got seven tracks on it so it's basically a full-length album and the drummer on that album is actually the actress shannon sossaman who i guess is a familiar face if you watch like law and order and csi and all that stuff she's been on tons of things but i'm not really sure what and her sister is the bass player still and after that ep they replaced or she left the band stella musgawa took over on drums and she just she has the, one of the best snare crack sounds I've ever heard. But anyway, I freaking love Warpaint. I love their harmonies. I love the <laughs> innovative guitar textures by the two guitarists, Teresa Wayman and Emily Kokel. I love the way they do vocals. I love it. You can't really figure out what's going on in a Warpaint song. All the sounds are woven together. I will say that I like their early work, the early stuff better than the later stuff, which has gotten more keyboard based and more electronic. But I just absolutely love the first two albums and I like a lot in the second and third. Well, a little interesting fact when the band started, it out, Emily Kokel, who was one of the guitar players, was dating John Frusciante, who appears on the EP oh, wow. and produced it. He also brought Josh Klinghoffer in to play drums on a couple tracks, which is interesting. This is a great band that no one seems to have ever heard of. I've seen them, I will add, just you know, because it has to be said, I gotta be in full disclosure, I've seen them live in Paris twice. They are not a good band live. Both times I've been really disappointed. Uh, Stick to the recordings, put your earphones on, crank it up, and listen to some War Paint. I can't say there's a typical track, but this one is one I love. Uh, We can listen to Billie Holiday from the EP Exquisite Corpse. And there you go. 
War Paint at my number one spot. What do you got, Seth? What's your number one? My number one is a band that I've mentioned before. <laughs> I think I've mentioned every wait, one of wait, these bands guess. before. You too? <laughs> no. They're going to make it someday, Seth. Don't, just don't, don't lose hope. <laughs> I'll keep plugging away for Bono and the boys. Yeah. My number one is Mute Math. Yeah. Paul Meany from New Orleans and Darren King from Springfield, Missouri formed this band after sending each other CDs in the mail with mixes that the other one would remix and send back and finally darren just moved to new orleans (laughs) so that they could collaborate in the same room and actually become a band from 2002 until 2017 when darren king left the band they put out some ridiculously unique music that garnered the band a bunch of dedicated fans me included but their first album had some legal issues due to the agreement or lack thereof between Teleprompt Records and Warner Brothers. There was a lawsuit between Teleprompt and Warner Brothers that held up their first album for a while. I guess when that happens, you get the feeling that the record company is not going to be behind you. They also suffered from being labeled as a Christian band like Switchfoot. And that was because of Paul Meany's prior project, Earthsuit, which actually had been a Christian band. And they were, the band was actually. Mute Math was actually so against being classified as Christian that they sued Warner Brothers over marketing them in that genre. Hmm. And due to that marketing issue, Rolling Stone even called them, quote, kind of, sort of a Christian <laughs> rock band. You know, their list of albums is short. Mute Math, Armistice, they have a couple of live albums, but Armistice Live is my favorite. And then the other two, the two other two studio albums that I really like are Odd Soul and Vitals. All those are full of great songs that just push the edge of the rock envelope. I mean, they're they're influenced by kind of psychedelic rock and jam band styles but they also work in electronic music. It's weird. They play older guitars and older amps and like a Hammond organ, and then they would have synthesizers and a keytar, but they made it all sound amazing. But after Darren left in 2017, I think Paul tried to put something else out and it hasn't worked. Sadly, these guys haven't reunited yet. But Darren, dude, if you're listening to this, I am selfishly asking you, no, begging you to make music with Paul again. Okay, that's enough for me about Mute Math. He just emailed me. He just said, yeah, Seth, yeah. <laughs> Never going to happen. <laughs> that's amazing. He did that before we published I know, this. He's, he's that good. <laughs> He's also a time traveler. What do you got for honorable oh, mentions, Seth? I don't have a huge list of honorable Me mentions just because there were some bands that I thought fit my criteria. There's a band called The Call from the 80s. Michael Bean was their lead singer. And they had just some amazing stuff. They had one or two hits, but some of the other songs that they had were really good. Delamitri from like the 90s yeah. and 2000s. I really like them. I got into listening to one of their live records. And the sad thing about it is the picture they have on the front of the record is them on stage and then you can see some of the seats in the auditorium where they are. It's only like a third full. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, when that's the picture on the front of your album, it's like, mm. oh, yeah. 
and, and the music's so good. It's like, well, why aren't there more people there? This one's an up and comer, so mm-hmm. I probably should leave it off the list, but I wanted to mention it just because I, I think he's going to be underrated because of who his dad is. The project is Mammoth WVH, and it's Wolfgang Van Halen, okay. Eddie's son. He's not his dad. When you listen to how he plays guitar, it's reminiscent of his dad, but it's still him. And he plays everything on both of Mammoth WVH's records. The first one came out in 22 last year, and the second one came out this year. He literally plays every instrument on the album, kind of like Dave Grohl did with the first Foo Fighters record. And it sounds great. He sings all the backup lyrics and the harmonies are awesome. I think you should check that out. Hopefully he's going to get the attention that he deserves for his music. Another band that just didn't make it as big as I thought they would, and they almost made my list, was Toad the Wet Sprocket. I've loved their stuff since the mid-90s, and they've actually gotten back together and have gone back out on tour, so I'm happy to see that. Maybe it was the name. You know, when you name your band after something on a Monty Python sketch, I mean, that there's that. And then I'll mention two others that I think that made it fairly big, but I think they should have been bigger because I really love their music. One's Mike and the Mechanics. We brought that up last time when we were talking about the band that had the best solo efforts. Another one is uh, the Indigo Girls. They were huge. They're, honestly, I think they should have been bigger. I mean, there's, their first album went out and everybody had that one. And then you start talking to people about some of the other albums, and it was just their diehard fans that knew those. Hmm. So. Anyway. Well, I also think their first your, album was their, was their best, so... Well, I, go dig into their... Oh, no, go, I, I know. had all the albums, believe me. <laughs> yeah. Up until a certain point. Yeah. I bought everything. All right. All right, so who are your I'll, honorable I'll whip through mine pretty quickly. Uh, two that I've already used in other episodes. First, Butthole Surfers. Everyone hears that name yeah. and just assumes they're like the Sex Pistols and loud and screaming. They're not. They're so, the music is so good, so nuanced, and not at all what you'd expect from the name. And then Granddaddy, which I used on the Songs About Home episode. Just a really great band that no one ever seems to have heard of. I'll mention We Were Promised Jetpacks, which you and I went to see last September at La Boule Noire. Remember that That's show? That's right. They're yeah. a great band. They have their, uh, their biggest hit, Sore Thumbs, one of my favorite songs and I haven't met many people who have heard of them another band I hadn't heard of them until this summer a band called Rilo Kylie and they have this amazing song called Portions for Foxes which was on the radio all the time that I was listening to this summer and I just assumed they were a new band with a new song and then I looked them up and they were actually from they, the, the song was from 2004 so I don't know what happened to their wow. career I listened to some other stuff which is really good I'm going to mention Chet Faker who's one of those bands that's really big somewhere else he's huge in Australia and I mentioned him specifically because Robbie Sinclair, one of our teachers at Rock U, is his touring and session drummer. So a little plug for Chet Faker yeah. there. And finally, I'm going to throw a nice one in there for a friend of mine. Uh, I'm going to urge you all to go check out Marvell Oaks. Marvell Oaks is a little family band from Brooklyn, New York, headed up by my friend Alex Demir. They have a great sort of DIY early REM sound with some really cool lyrics and great sounds. So check out Marvell Oaks. Right now they're at 21 monthly listeners on Spotify. So let's see if we can get that number up. I'll add in. Hopefully they'll be at 22 by the time the show's over. There we go. Or more. If you want to listen to the songs that we mentioned on this podcast in their entirety, check out the Spotify playlist that we've got in the show notes to hear them all. All right, kids, we're back and we're doing uh, a new segment that we hope we're going to 
keep doing. It's uh, it's a thing called if you like dot dot dot. I'm going to let Matt explain a little bit about this and then we'll give you our recommendations, which is kind of what this is. If you like fill in the blank band, then you might like these other fill in the blank bands. I think you Maybe just explained I just ex- it perfectly. Yeah. I think I, I think I just did. So I'll let you pick your first band for if you like. Sure. I was just going to say, though, that was kind of like our working title. We never came up with an official name for the segment, so we might have to see what we come up with you know, along the lines of feedback or take two. But maybe you listeners have a good idea. You can always write us at podcast at rock-u.fr. Okay, let's get back to it. Or send us a, uh, an audio file that tells us what you think this ought to be called. Yeah, exactly. So you want me to start is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. please do. I was planning to use as my first, if you like, the band Nothing But Thieves. But then when we, uh, when I did my list of five bands that never went big time, Nothing But Thieves showed up there, and I didn't really feel like I should use them twice. And I was thinking that okay. a, a band like Nothing But Thieves is a great band if you like a band like Muse or The Killers or Arctic Monkeys. What do those things have in common? Rock and roll that maybe makes you think and has a, has a certain kind of melodic sensibility that's maybe a bit more advanced than you know something like Green. Not that there's anything wrong with Green Day, but I'm just saying something with a little more, for example, Muse is very classical influenced because Matt Bellamy was a classically yeah. trained pianist. So I was thinking, okay, well, I was, I'm not going to go with Nothing But Thieves. Then I went to myself and I said, if you like Nothing But Thieves, who would you like? And I'm going to pull a, a one I think is a pretty deep band out of the vault here. Okay. Many of our listeners may be familiar with an American musician named Greg Dooley. Greg Dooley is sort of an under-the-radar cult musician who a lot of people follow most often because of... Uh, but because they're fans of the Afghan wigs. And Afghan okay. wigs is one of those, I don't know how to say it, it's kind of a litmus test for are you really into music or not? Like if, you know, you know, if you're a casual <laughs> rock fan, you probably haven't heard of Afghan wigs. Afghan wigs are a hipster darling. Like it's definitely a signifier. Like if you, it's, there's even a song that was big on the radio this summer by The National where they're talking about, it's a couple splitting up and they're talking about splitting up their albums. And it's like, what about the Afghan wigs? And it's like, okay, if you're into the Afghan wigs, we sort of know who you are. And, you know, if you t- say you're into the Afghan wigs, we probably know who you are. <laughs> um, yeah. Greg Dooley is the creator of the Afghan wigs, and but he had a side project, which became a major project for a while when the Afghan wigs disbanded before they, they came to came together again called the twilight singers and even a lot of people who love the afghan wigs don't know about the twilight singers i've just found again one of these bands i'm like oh do you like the twilight singers oh you would like the twilight singers never heard of them the afghan wigs are pretty hard rocking very interesting uh, again very interesting harmony sense harmonic sensibility instrumentation but hard rocking the twilight singers are softer i find the melody lines in particular the textures and the instrumentations to be really compelling maybe a bit melancholy like nothing but thieves maybe a bit you know there's something something going on under the surface in almost every song the lyrics are very complex often the structures are interesting not hard to listen to just something that makes you think i, I would advise you if you're a fan of muse or if you're a fan of the killers or which is more pop i would i would say or arctic monkeys which definitely is always thoughtful or always thought provoking on your way to check it out nothing but thieves take a little detour check out the twilight singers and then if you do like the twilight singers go check out the afghan wigs too and you can join the club of hipsters that loves the afghan wigs and you know be one of those guys but don't forget to grow your uh, your little chin beard and your and your man bun while you're at it too so. <laughs> yeah i was going to say if you're an afghan wigs listener the yeah. the first word that comes into my head is hipster hipster for sure Hips- well hipster college yeah. radio yeah. you know that's where i put those guys so yeah. i'll just give you i'm just curious and see if you if your experience 
lines up with mine. You obviously know who the Afghan Whigs are. Had you ever heard of the Twilight Singers? I've never heard of the yeah, Twilight this, Singers. I don't know. I've never met anyone else who has. I'm like digging through bins of vinyl to find these guys. I don't even know how I found them. Probably from another podcast. Sure? Yeah. What? Are you sure you didn't make these guys up? Oh, no, no, no. I listened, <laughs> a couple of their albums I really like. Uh, uh, I'm Twi- just I think one's called you. Twilight, sung by the Twilight Singer, something like that. One's uh, Blackberry Bell. I really like these albums. I listen to them a lot. They're great. It's great music. Give us something that we should go looking for, Seth. What do you think? So I kind of went the opposite way, probably because I just love Rush. It's like there's nobody like Rush. They're kind of unique in what they do. But there's a lot of bands that I listen to that are in the same genre genre, I guess, in in the broader sense of the term, that if you like me, like Rush, you're probably going to like a Canadian band called Triumph that is also (laughs) a three-piece. Hard rocking, really good stuff. And then on the more progressive end, there's bands like Yes, and I know that they're super popular from the 70s, but some of our younger listeners may not have gotten into that band. Tool, a band that we don't bring up enough on this podcast, I think, has just got some amazing stuff. If you want to listen to odd time signatures and amazingly good hard rock and music, Tool is, is one of the bands that you should pull up. Genesis, especially their earlier stuff. If you like earlier Rush, you're going to like earlier Genesis. And then a band that was a super group that kind of did a couple albums and dropped out, Asia. Their music is something that I think you would enjoy if you're a Rush fan. My favorite two bands, Rush and Asia, when I was in seventh or eighth grade, for sure. There you go. Then there's a band that was big in the late 80s and early 90s, especially, uh, Queensryche, mm. which has just some amazing rock music, and their their lead singer was a trained opera singer. If you're one of those people that's like, I really like Rush's music, but Getty's voice just really grates on my ears and I can't listen to it, uh, <laughs> go listen to Queensryche. You'll be very happy. Those are my if you likes. That's funny. Uh, so you, you started with one band and you ended up with a whole bunch. I started with a whole bunch and ended up with one. So we'll have to We'll have to sort this out in our pre well, yeah, <laughs> our pregame next time. <laughs> in our in our pre production meetings, exactly. we'll pre-production, figure this out. But if our listeners want to tell us which one they want us to do, maybe we could do that. Yeah, so we don't want to give them any power. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I will throw in a little coda to this because uh, I mentioned that I had to find a way to involve my wet leg t-shirt somehow. I would just say, if you like music, go listen to Wet Leg. They're one of my favorite bands there in the last go. couple of years. Seth and I have a favor to ask. If you are enjoying Extra Credit, the Rock You podcast, please do us a solid and go ahead and share it with friends. Also, if you rate and review it on whatever podcasting platform you listen, it will get to other people and that'd be good. We want more people to hear about the stuff that we think is so cool. So share, rate, review, and thank you. All right, kids, we're back, and it's time for 60 Seconds of Music Insanity. It's the one-minute matchup. <laughs> Dave Grohl! <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 60 minutes for you. Yeah, 60 right, minutes actually. of Sorry. Dave Grohl. I really don't know what happened there. Go ahead. What are we doing for the one-minute matchup? Well, this one was your idea, Seth, and it was auto-tune, yes or no. That's how you phrased it. That's how I took it. How about you go first? Sure. And I will make sure that you can... Can you see my... I can see your stopwatch. Yep. No problem. stopwatch. All right. No problem. Here we go. Your 60 seconds on auto-tune, yes or no, begins now. Nope. You didn't press it. Or maybe not. (laughs) Okay. It begins... Nope. 
Bell. There you go. Uh, this is an easy one. Yeah. It's a tool. It's tools in the toolbox. If you want to use that tool, you take it out of the toolbox and use it. Um, there's a lot of really bad auto-tune out there, but it doesn't mean that auto-tune itself isn't useful. Um, one way I look at it is, what if the Beatles had had, had, had auto-tune? Would they have used it? Would they have made great music with it? Absolutely. They would have. They made music with all kinds of stuff. They made music with bottles rolling around on speakers. They made music with a Mellotron, which is basically a, a proto-synthesizer that uses tape loops of all kinds of weird stuff. They made music out of what made sounds. Auto-Tune makes sounds. It makes sounds interesting. Um, just to give you one example of someone who I think auto uses Auto-Tune very effectively and very musically is Bon Iver. Um, Justin, I forget, his, Justin Vernon, I think is the guy's name. That's his, uh, his nom, de, nom de plume, is Bon Iver. Um, I love the way he uses it. He, makes it. he makes his voice sound different with it. All this stuff is just tools in a toolbox. If you can make good music out of it, use it. There you go. Well, 58 seconds. Not too shabby. All right. You ready for your turn? Yeah, I think so. All right, let's see. Can you see? I gotta turn my turn my little bubble on. There we go. Can you see the stopwatch? I can. Here we go. Your uh, hold on. I gotta line my finger up in reverse here. Okay, ready? <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Okay, so auto tune's kind of a spectrum from where you never notice it to where you can't miss it at all. And I think on the end where you never know it's there, where it just tweaks the tone so it's better than what you got in the initial recording, like pitch changing, uh, is okay. But, you know, there are certain things that I like in my rock and roll, and that's mistakes, which makes it rock and roll to me. Uh, But, I mean, we're seeing it more and more as something that is an effect uh, and when you rely on that for a major part of the song, I, I just really can't stand the use of it. Uh, like on the vocals for Daft Punk's One More Time. Uh, you know, bands like Kraftwerk, Pink Floyd, The Beatles, and Zeppelin uh, created great sounds and vocal effects without using auto-tune. And bands like Queen and Heart had zero use for it. So uh, I'm just 99% no on auto-tune, and I'm four seconds over. Six seconds. We'll call it four. (laughs) It's all right. I have a lot of sins to make up for when it comes to going over in the one minute matchup. So, yeah, it's interesting you said mistakes, but I think actually, I'll just, you know, throw this out. I think that's how Bon Iver uses auto tune is to make it sound glitchy in an interesting way. And he's mastered, unlike the Daft Punk song you, you referred to, which makes it sound robotic, he's used the glitchiness to convey emotion. I think he's done a really effective job with that. So, and if you use it for like the uh, an effect like that, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get it. But yeah. there are just a ridiculous amount of songs that come out now that have the same chord progression, that use the same beat, that have things like the cicada hi hat that just never goes away, and then they auto tune the stuffing out of the vocals. It, it just grates on my nerves. I mean, it's a it's a tool that gets used, in my opinion, in the wrong way, way more than it gets used correctly. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I would just... I would just quote Victor Wooten saying, uh, music isn't made by the instrument. Music is made by the musician. They're all yeah, maybe being well, lazy with it. Let's see. Again, wonder what the Beatles would have done with it. But hey, that's good. You know what, Seth? Well, I don't were, think we've actually disagreed on one of these in a while. So that's a refreshing yeah. change. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you and you thought auto tune was gonna be like easy, and we were gonna totally. It agree. was easy. I, I no problem. I didn't have to think about it. You asked the question. I'm like, yeah, of course. Why not? <laughs> of course. <laughs> So was there something on this podcast that you wanted to talk to us about? Did we get something wrong? Do you not agree with some of the stuff that we said? Then you need to email us at podcast at rock-u.fr. Extra credit, the Rock You podcast is brought to you with support from our partners at Big Pebble Records. Big Pebble Records is your one-stop shop for all music production in Paris. Everything from the composition to the creative side, to the recording and engineering, to the mixing and mastering, to the distribution and publication and publicity. Check them out at www.bigpebblerecords.com. And of course, you will hear lots of Rock You musicians on that label. Extra Credit, the Rock U podcast, is a production of Rock U. Expertly engineered and recorded by my good friend Seth Hinckley. And our theme music is written and produced by Tom Walters. Rock U is a nonprofit association, Loi 1901, and we'll see you next time.